0: Gonzaga Nation rolls on. I'm your host, Dan Dickow, here as we continue to connect with a lot of the top-tier analysts of college basketball. Today's one of the best in the business, one of the hosts of College Game Day for ESPN. You will see him throughout the season breaking it down as a coach, as a fan, as a true insider, none other than Seth Greenberg. So Seth, Hopefully that was an okay intro, and thank you for
1: joining. Just don't call me a guru. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not an insider. I just talk ball, man. I mean, I, you know, I mean, <laughs> uh, I talk ball when I go to practices. I don't tell people who they're going to start after you know, watching a two-hour practice. Uh, I just kind of take it all in, get a feel for teams, and I'm, I have tremendous respect for, you know, this time of the year is a great time as a coach. It was my favorite time of the year. Because you kind of get a better understanding of your team, uh, even though you've had them all summer, you've had them preseason. Kind of the temperatures raised, uh, you're trying to better understand roles, substitution patterns, uh, guys' strengths, weaknesses, how to get your best players the ball where they want them, what you're going to do defensively. So it's a great time of the year. But I am no guru. I'm just a, a fired basketball coach that likes to talk ball.
0: <laughs> well, we'll let you call yourself what you want because uh, you are one of the best analysts out there right now. So I will not call you guru. Uh, what I will ask you, though, is uh, before we started recording, you said you were at St. John's practice yesterday. That might have been the Rick Pitino to St. John's move, might have been the most kind of uh, influential in the coaching circles this offseason. The year before, it was Jay Wright and Coach K retiring. This year, it was Coach Pitino. Yeah, I, I, I'd say this politely. He's a little up there in age, but everything you read and everything you see is he's still got that fire and he's a, still one of the top coaches in the country. What did you see?
1: Well, I've known Rick since i 14 years old. I mean, he's, uh, like age has nothing to do with it. You look at the NBA, I mean, you look, think about some of the older coaches in the NBA. I mean, it, it just what, it is what it is. You either can coach or you can't coach. Either you have passion for the game or you, you don't. Either you get, have the ability to connect with players or you don't Uh, either you can hold teams to a standard or you don't. Uh, So uh, Rick was right. He's a master teacher. Uh, He's an innovator. He's got great energy about him. Uh, You know, it's individual workouts in the morning team practice in the afternoon. He's there for every single session. He's totally engaged. It's not like he's handing things off, but the only thing that changed is he wears a microphone. So uh, to save his voice a little bit. But besides that, in terms of how he was engaged in practice, uh, he's, he's just a great teacher. And they've done a great job in the portal. They've done a good job of recruiting players and getting guys in. Whether it's Jordan Dingle, who transfer from Penn, who was a big-time scorer. Whether it's uh, the big kid from Kansas, uh, keeping Soriano was really, really important. Uh, Dennis Jenkins, who he took from, back from uh, Iona. They're big, they're long, they're athletic. Uh, they have shot makers. Uh, they've got a, a really interesting roster, and they're going to be a factor in the Big East.
0: Yeah, the Big East uh, obviously had the reigning champion Yukon uh, Huskies a season ago. That league looks as deep uh, as any in the country. One of the other leagues that looks really extremely deep, and they've looked this way for a number of years, but they haven't been able to break through in the NCAA tournament is the Big Ten. Is this the year because, you know, Purdue is probably top three, top four, maybe even top ranked in some people's eyes going in. Michigan State should be pretty good again. Uh, what do you see in Michigan – or, sorry, in the Big Ten?
1: You know, it's interesting. You're right. I mean, they have a lot of good teams. They always have had – I mean, look, there's great atmospheres, great energy, great ownership, great venues. Uh, the Big Ten takes care of business preseason. They're non-conference. They absolutely kick ass. I mean, it's just the way it is. So, like, whenever everyone says, oh, the Big Ten's overrated. Well, you know, in preseason, it's not overrated because they win the games they need to win. They win their out-of-conference games. Uh, they have not had success, obviously, Michigan State. It's the last team in the Big Ten to win a national championship. I understand that. Purdue's had some... Probably difficult NCAA tournament results in terms of, obviously, the loss to St. Pete, loss to my alma mater, Fairleigh Dickinson, Harvard on a sack. But they got, you know, Zach Eadie back. They got Foster Lawyer back. They got Smith back. They got Gillis back. I mean, they've got a really good basketball team. Uh, they've got to figure out a way when they play against these teams that get up and underneath them. Late in the season, not early in the season, but late in the season, yeah. they've got to do a better job of handling that pressure, not getting pushed out, not playing defensive, being a little more assertive. Probably, I, I've been to a ton of Matt Painter's practices. He is a great coach. I mean, he's a terrific coach. You know, we judge him through we don't, but the, you know, the fans judge him through Marsh. I'd I more judge his body of work. People said the same things about Jay Wright until he was until he won national championships. That yeah. doesn't define you as a coach. It defines you as a maybe a Hall of Famer, or it defines you, you know, it puts you in an exclusive club. But you know, Purdue's going to be really good. Michigan State's a monster. I, I really this my, this is Tom's best team. He's got young guys. He's got old guys. He's got a veteran backcourt. Aj Hogarth is big, physical. He's the perfect complement because he kind of pokes coaches Izzo a little bit, drives him <laughs> a little crazy, which keeps him on his edge obviously Tyson Walker is different. Tyson just kind of does the right thing when, you know, when it needs to be done, which is, which is really important. They've got front court guys that, that have versatility and are a little bit different. They've got depth all over the place. They, uh, you know, they've got shot making uh, Michigan state's good. Indiana's probably the big question mark. Ohio state is a little bit of a question mark. Uh, you know, how do you replace Trace Jackson Davis? Well, you know, you got your point guard, Xavier Johnson back, so that's a, a, a good start. They've got uh, the, the Reeves kid back, who I think is going to be really, really uh, – Renault kid back, who's going to be really good. So the Big Ten's going to have the depth it always has. It really is. It's going to have the depth it always has. Ohio State, I think they have a bounce back here. They'll get healthier. They just had a bad chemistry about them last year. So I think the Big Ten will you know, have seven teams in the by tournament, and I think two of them have a legitimate chance to make deep runs.
0: Being on the West Coast, we've started to hear a lot more about the the Big Ten because USC, UCLA a season ago, and then Oregon and Washington recently uh, announcing their departures from the Pac-12 to that league. So uh, great insight there. You know, put yourself in a current coach's shoes right now. You've got the NIL to deal with, and you've got the transfer portal that you have to sift through every year. How would you as a coach... Kind of work those two things because they're, they're the two biggest elephants in the room anytime you're recruiting, whether it's a, a high level high school player, which unfortunately a lot of your foundational high school players, I at least think a lot of your foundational high school players are being overlooked because of the transfer portal. How, how would you work with those two elephants in the room?
1: First of all, I totally agree. I think they're, I think guys are misvaluating. I think guys are so into the portal that they're losing opportunities to find players, develop players. And, and enhance their culture by having program guys. You need program guys. Now, the answer to that when you speak to guys, well, if guys are not patient, they can transfer after a year anyway. Well, that comes down to showing them how you can help them get better, developing real relationships, and having a plan for them, and laying that plan out up front, and then not over recruiting over them through the portal, which I think is important. I think that that the biggest part of recruiting that people don't understand then is, is evaluating. It's the most underappreciated aspect of recruiting, and I think that this is an easy way out. The portal is an easy way out. You have a guy; he's older, he's more mature. You kind of have a feel for what he's done, uh, but can you buy any of your culture? Like I use Villanova as an example. Villanova had a great recruiting class in, in in the portal, but how do you how do you get that attitude that "quote unquote" Villanova's basketball is all about, or the DNA of the culture and the identity and the ownership? When you're going to have four, basically, you know, guys from other programs and basically having to embrace new roles, that, you know, I think I'll do a good job. But how to balance the two is real simple. I think that you, I still think you just, you use the portal to fill in gaps. Uh, I, I, if you become a complete portal program, very few can do it successfully. Obviously, Eric Musselman has been able to do it at a, at a very high level. But I, I, w- I would fill in gaps with that. The NIL is a different story. You put the transfer portal on top of the NIL, and it's not NIL. So let's stop calling it NIL. <laughs> Call it NIL. Is such a bull crap. It's ridiculous. It's pay for play. Call it what it is. It's pay for play. Guys are putting themselves out. They're hiring agents. And you know, is it the best program? Is it the best coach? Is it the best environment? Is it winning? In the end, some of the guys are making decisions just because of money. And look, that's what it is. That's what it is. But let's stop calling it NIL because NIL, collectives are not NIL. Very few guys can move the needle like NIL. I think it all depends on, answer your question, it all depends on what level you're at. Uh, you know, if, if I'm a mid-major guy, I find 10 corporations to give me 50 grand a piece. I do reading programs and after-school programs and clinics. I say, you know what, you're all going to get the same amount of money. Now I'm going to coach you. Any guy that goes through the portal or any guy that, that is worried about his players going into the portal and then becomes afraid to coach their teams. All right. Ha, ha, to me, it, it, it's embarrassing. Like here's the deal. Coach your team, coach your team hard. If that's who you are, be demanding, have a standard. And you know what? If that kid decides to leave, cause he doesn't want to be coached hard. He doesn't want to get better. He doesn't want to have demands. He doesn't want to buy into a role. He's not helping you win anyway. So what, you know what? So you lose them. And they don't, that's just the way it is. But that guy's not helping you win the games you need to win because to be, to win the games, you need to win, not just the games you're going to win, but the games you need to win. You got to have guys that are bought in, that are playing for the right reasons that are great teammates that are tough, that are competitive, that are not worrying about what the, the static that's around them. They're worried about one thing, being a great teammate and winning. So, my advice to coaches is yeah, you got to deal with that IL and you know there's or or pay for play and 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 there's a cost of doing that. But if that impacts how you coach your team, you're making a huge mistake because you won't get the best out of your team. And you know what? Isn't the whole idea to help your guys get somewhere they can't get themselves? Well, to do that, they can't do it by themselves. You know, look, you played at the highest level. You played on championship teams, you played on teams that made deep runs in the turn, right? And, you know, what? you know, everyone looks at few and they say, you know, or months and they say, you know, those guys coached you. They held you to a standard. You had to play mm-hmm. a certain way, all right? And you know what? I, I got to believe, I can't imagine Mark Few changing how he's coaching just because the portal's involved or just because NIL's involved. You know, you got to say true to your, your, your core beliefs and your non-negotiables. So, I would tell coaches, uh, if I did it, I'd stay true to my non-my uh, core beliefs and my non-negotiables. I would try to be fair with, with the pay-for-play through the collectives. But uh, most importantly, I would coach my team, man. I'd coach my team, and I wouldn't be afraid to coach my team. And I would spend a ton of time with them explaining what they're getting into when they decide to come and play for me and tell them that if I did not coach you hard every day, then I'm not helping you become the best version of yourself, and that is cheating you. And if you don't allow me to do that, then I, that is cheating the program. And I don't want to cheat you, and I don't want to cheat the program. I want to do what's in both of our best interests, and that is coach every day.
0: That's great stuff there. And I, and I would agree. I, I've been to plenty of practices over the years with, with Coach Few, um, and he hasn't taken a step back of holding guys accountable to, as you mentioned or call them, core beliefs are non-negotiables. I mean, I remember back at, uh, you know, my red shirt year, one of his non-negotiables for a point guard was, I don't care how you get from point A to point B to get us into whatever set, but you got to get us there. Your job is to initiate offense, and sometimes it might be a shot for you. <laughs> sometimes it might be a post entry or, or a setup for a pick and roll. Um, it, that hasn't changed. And, you know, it's. I, I think the best coaches don't sway with the ever-changing winds of, of rule changes over the years. Would you agree with that?
1: hundred percent. You know, you, you got to be comfortable in your own skin. And, you know, you got to have an identity. Your team's got to have an identity uh, and you've got to have an identity. So, you know, like I call it the Outback mentality. I know they have them in the Pacific Northwest. I mean, like basically you go to you go to Outback, you're going to get a steak, you're going to get a bloomin' onion. It's going to be pretty good going down. And probably about two or three hours later, it might not be so good. But <laughs> but you know what you're getting every single time. It's consistent. Yeah. All right? I think players need consistency. As long as they know who you are uh, and who you're going to be each and every day, they'll figure it out. But players also got to understand who they are and how they win. And as a team, who you are and how you win. And if you, if you can have those two things together, then you have a chance to have a special season. And uh, I think we're so blinded by and worrying about by, by the portal. And so, you know, an NIL or pay for play that, you know, set your parameters, your word is your bottom. You say you can do something, do something. But in the end, this is not sustainable. So we're either going to have to have contracts or we're going to have to find new revenue streams. New revenue streams could be uh, these two exhibition games that teams are able to play. All right, I see like a lot of them people are playing games for charities. They might become promoted by an outside group. I know right now it's not leading with the NCAA, promoted by an outside group, coached the exhibition games by the coaches and the teams, and the revenue generated would go to the two teams. It would be an NIL stream or, or a collective stream. Summer, you have eight weeks in the summer. End of the summer, you get four teams together, you go to a site. You play two exhibition games, coached by the assistant coaches, give them a chance to coach a team. That way the players won't be pissed at the head coach if he if he doesn't, you know, guys don't get a certain amount of minutes or whatever. All right, same thing. At the end of the weekend, it's kind of a reward for the end of the eight weeks. The money raised, you know, you could play in Spokane, you could play in Atlanta, you could play wherever. After expenses, that money's going to go into a pot that's going to be uh, for the collectives. But there's got to be some accountability. There's got to be an academic accountability. There's got to be social accountability. There's got to be a behavioral accountability, uh, like any other quote-unquote contract. But I think we're going to have to find new revenue streams. Unless you're and you have one really wealthy guy that's going to say, here, I'm going to give you $20 million, and you're going to live off the interest. Your NIL is going to live off the interest of that. It's just not sustainable, especially if you're not getting tax credit, especially if you're not getting seat. C- Options and better parking and all the benefits that people get from donating to the university. So we've got to find a way to control it to somehow some way contracts and finding unique and creative ways outside of what we're doing now, I think is is the best way to go.
0: Well, I want to be mindful of your time because I know it's the preseason. There's lots of prep going on. But last question, with your role with ESPN and in particular College Game Day, you go across the country and are part of marquee games uh, every single week once you hit that January uh, time of year. Game Day was in Spokane last year. How did Spokane and the Kennel stack up with some of the better venues you've been to with Game Day over the years? It
1: tremendous. It was awesome. It was awesome. Uh, it really was. Uh, the students were incredible. Got some pretty good donuts there, too. It was great. As I was walking down, coming in, I got a couple of donuts. It was good. I appreciate those people that gave some donuts. But no, it, it, it was a, it was a great atmosphere. I mean, like, that was my first time to the kettle. You know, I've, I've done game day games with Gonzaga, but I've done them at St. Mary's. So, it, you know, it was different. Just the whole environment uh, there, the ownership, the students, the joy, the fun that they had uh To me, was was everything that I expected and more. Now this year is going to be different. Now, I, I, if you want to get real quickly into into <laughs> your guys, I mean, this is I, I am really interested to see. Look, we, we Fury is a master teacher and coach. We 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 know that, but this is probably they got the least depth. They're losing sixty points a game. That's just yeah, I mean, like you don't have to be a rocket scientist. Obviously, get Nebard. It is is huge because you got a guy who, like you said, put the ball in his hand, get us to the offense, get us going. Uh, Anton Watson's got a new role. You know that's going to be, I think, interesting. Nolan Hickman's going to a new role. That's going to be interesting. I mean, Ben gregg has got a new role. Uh, Graham Ek, you know, is he going to understand exactly what's expected of him? I mean, you know, this is the, this is the changing of the guard for Gonzaga basketball. I mean, it really is. It's a changing of guard in a in a, in a drastic way. So, I mean, you know, I, I, and speaking of people, I guess the Venters kid is supposed to be really, really good. Great shooter. Uh, he's a big-time shot maker, which is obviously uh, a, a huge, and, and Stromer's supposed to be a, a big-time skilled wing player. But to, to rely on so many new players and then so many players within new roles – uh i think that's going to be the interesting thing for for mark now i think he, you know having the guys in the summer is huge uh it's not like he played guys a ton of minutes i mean i uh, got deep deep into the bench but you still you know your injury away from really having an issue uh so i think it's going to be really interesting to watch the league has gotten better like everyone smacks the league around but you know, you know St. Mary's is going to get better. Herb Sendek's done a really good job at Santa Clara. Obviously, are losing BYU. The non-conference schedule with the UConns and everyone else that they're playing is, is as usual, going to be daunting. Uh, I still think they're going to be good, but uh, it, it, it is going to be different. It's, it's going to be different, and there is a little bit of a learning curve. Uh, the, the biggest thing is, how strong a leadership will they get from Anton Watson? How long street leadership will I get from Hickman? You know, obviously Nabhart understands what it is to be a part of this program through his brother. Because those things are real. Now, I think the other thing that they have going for them is that a bunch of you guys still live there. And, you know, when I was University of Miami as, as an assistant way back in the day, when Miami football was really good, the former players were always around. And those former players basically made sure that they held those new guys in the program accountable to the essence of what the program stood for. And I think you guys being around is so, so valuable to a season like this because you guys are the standard. And you guys probably have a little bit of moral responsibility of making sure these guys understand, you know, because they're just putting that uniform for one year, and some of those guys. How special it is to put that uniform on. Like I said this about North Carolina's team last year and got a lot of feedback from former North Carolina players, positive feedback, got a lot of negative feedback from fans, but former players. It's not a rite of passage to put that Gizagian uniform on. It's a privilege. No? And it's earned. And when you put that jersey on, there's an expectation of how hard you compete, how you play, the way you play, uh, because that's what Gonzaga is all about. I, I, the same last year, those North Carolina guys—they put that jersey on. They didn't respect those who played before. Them. They didn't understand respect how you play, how hard you play, uh, how unselfish you need to be, how committed you need to be to the good of the group. I think it's huge for Coach Few. To have you guys around just as a to support the essence of what makes and what has made Gonzaga who it is and this special program it has been for the last, what, 30 years?
0: Close to, yeah. Well, Coach, I appreciate the time. Always uh, appreciate you. You drop nuggets in regards to everything when we have conversations. Hopefully, our paths cross at some point with our broadcasting seasons this year, because um, you never know where you're going to pop up, and I don't know where I'm going to pop up yet either. So, thanks for joining.
1: Anytime, man. Appreciate you, and really happy for you. And you're doing great. You're killing it, man. How how's the gym? That's what I want to know.
0: Jim's going well. Next time you're in Spokane, I know you said you've only been here that one time for game day. you got to come up and check it out. Uh, We could use a uh, Seth Greenberg testimonial, that's for sure.
1: (laughs) You got it. My pleasure. All
0: right. Take care and have a great day.
1: All right, buddy. For Gonzaga
0: Nation, that was insider, don't call him guru, former coach Seth Greenberg for Gonzaga Nation.